0: Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nation's Church and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray. Be blessed by the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 1. Today I begin a series called Hope, A Season of Hope. I want to tell you that in this day we're living, God is going to remind us that although we are in this world, We are not of this world. So much uncertainty happening in this world, but we're coming into a season of fresh hope. And I believe over the next several weeks, God wants me to speak to the situations and the issues of our life and remind us that no matter what it looks like on the outside, God is up to something good in every one of our lives. This is not empty optimism. This is something that we have received because of the goodness of God. And how many know God is good? Somebody say amen. Help me welcome our Athens family. Come on, tell Pastor Chris and Amy good morning. Come on, let's make some noise for them. We love you all in Athens. Luke verse one, Luke chapter five, Luke chapter one, verse five, I'm backwards this morning. There were in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. Lord, help me to see today. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments, commandments and ordinances of God, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, His lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw it, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John of the unjust, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. The angel said to him, now look at this angel, set this preacher straight. I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. But behold, in other words, I brought you some good, but you didn't know how to handle it. I was trying to bless you, but since you got an attitude, let me tell you what's about to happen to you. Behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which, were, which would be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zecharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned them and remained speechless. And so it was, as, the days of his, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus saith the Lord. The Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me and took away my reproach among the people. Now I want you to skip over there to verse number 57. And we'll preach the rest of that that I did not read about Mary perhaps next Sunday. But look at verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered and she brought forth a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. How many can receive this, but your friends and your family are about to get happy about what God is gonna do in your life? Yeah, about seven of y'all caught it, but the rest of y'all gonna catch it. I said, God's getting ready to do something in all your lives. If you'll receive what I'm saying today, not only are you gonna get happy, but haters that used to hate on you are going to get happy with you and God's going to let your friends and your family celebrate it. Somebody say amen. amen. One, last, one last little passage here. The Lord dropped in my spirit in worship today. I just text Chad a moment ago to put this one in here. It's in Psalm 42 verse 5 and it says this, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? hope in God for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance and I want to preach on this first Sunday of this new series called a season of hope the message I want to preach today is barrenness is canceled look at somebody near you and tell your neighbor say hey neighbor I want to inform you barrenness is canceled in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, say amen. Help me preach. Help them receive it. Set the captive free. Save the lost. Do the things that only you can do. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. The Gospel of Luke is the longest book in the New Testament. And the first chapter of Luke is the longest chapter in the New Testament. And what I appreciate about the writer Luke is the thorough fashion in which he informs the reader uh, about the conception and the birth and the infancy of Jesus. More than any other gospel writer, Luke takes time as he is inspired by the Holy Spirit to talk about this miraculous conception, this miraculous birth of Jesus. And we need to be reminded, as much as we've heard it, and I preach on it every year around this time, we just need to be reminded, and the church needs to have reinforcement in our understanding that Jesus came miraculously. His birth and conception was not normal and natural. In fact, you will never find in the Bible where they call Jesus the son of Joseph. Because although Mary was his mother, Yahweh was his father. He was not born through the seed of a a man and the seed of a woman. He was born, although his mother had God-given seed in her body, he was born conceived by the Holy Ghost and so his birth and his conception were supernatural and we will talk about that this month as we talk about this season of hope. But today I want to talk about this godly family, Zacharias and Elizabeth. The Bible says in this pericope that the days of Herod were upon us and During the days of Herod, there was this godly man named Zechariah and his godly wife named Elizabeth. And the days of Herod are dark days. For the nation of Israel, it was some of the darkest moments. You understand that no prophetic word had been heard since Malachi had spoken and said that the spirit of Elijah would come and that God would raise up a voice that turned the hearts of the children. Back to the father and the hearts of the fathers back to the children. And we have this amazing prophecy given by Malachi. And then you close the book of Malachi and you flip it from Malachi to Matthew. And you think that Matthew happened the day after Malachi. But what we miss sometimes in the chronology of of the text is that after Malachi spoke the prophecy there were 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew. And now we open up Luke, and Luke says that in the days of Herod, and we know from history that this is Herod the Great. And when Luke says that this narrative happened in the days of Herod, it is more than the writer attempting to provide historical information that frames uh, our chronology, our understanding of chronology no, we know that when he uses the phrase days of Herod, they had spiritual implications, these words would have been understood to the reader that these were some of the darkest days in Israel's history the days of Herod meant that spiritual leaders had become shackled by tradition and corruption the days of Herod had produced a culture of oppression and bondage this was Herod the great Who history reveals to be a tyrant. He had nine, some say ten wives, and one whom he executed for no apparent reason other than his madness. This chaotic, unpredictable man uh, produced in Israel a disturbance, a spiritual chaos, as it were. These were depressing days. These were the days of Herod. They were dark days. Uh, The leadership of Israel had become polluted and the priesthood had gotten all mangled in with idolatry. And so what we find in Luke chapter one is this this setting, this backdrop where, where the days of Herod are happening and these are not normal days. These are very disturbing days. Very dark days. And yet almost without hesitation, Luke creates a contrast between the days that they were living in and the people that were living in those days. Mm. You see, Luke calls those days the days of Herod, but he focuses on a faithful family that was living for God in dark days. I'm gonna preach right here. You see, I think we need to take the hint from Luke And understand that although we are living in dark days, we do not ignore or deny the troubled days that we are living in. We recognize, however, that although we are living in dark days, we are not children of darkness. Although we are living in troubled days, we are not those who are troubled although the enemy looks at times like he's got moves happening on the chessboard and we feel like what is going on I serve a reminder to the people of God this morning that the God we serve is not surprised he is not shocked he is not taken off guard and although days may feel dark you are children of the light and God is doing something through faithful families that has the power to shift the the atmosphere around us and how many know God is looking for people through whom he can break through and cause light to enter and invade and dispel darkness if you believe and say amen. amen Luke does not focus on Herod Luke focuses on a faithful God and a faithful family who refuse to live in darkness even though they are living in dark days because no matter how dark the day may get, God always has a devoted and obedient people. Mm. People through whom he will dispel the darkness and will birth. Touch your neighbor tell them God's going to give birth to something. But he's going to birth it through you. i am come to preach to you today. This is not just a sanctuary. This is a birthing room you see I believe with all of my heart that according to Galatians chapter 4 that the the barrenness the barrenness are going to have more children than those who have claimed to have a fruitful womb what was Paul talking about in Galatians 4 when he said that he was talking about that people who feel empty and people who feel barren and people who feel like they have no purpose and people who feel like they have no power against the things that the enemy is Doing in our day. Paul was saying to the church at Galatia, You may feel barren, but break out, break out the happiness, break out the celebration, break out the the, the baby bed, break out, break it all out. Get ready because those who are barren are actually going to be more fruitful than the fruitful wife who's always talking about what the world seems to always have all the good stuff. The world seems to have all of the ease. But I'm going to tell you, there's coming a shift in this thing. And those who felt barren and frustrated are about to step into birthing something that is going to shift a generation. And God's going to do something through you that shakes our world. Somebody say amen. amen. Standing in contrast to Herod is a priest. Herod is an evil man. And standing in contrast to Herod is a priest and his wife, whose commitment and faithfulness to God is not shaped or shaken by the darkness of the day. I want to encourage someone today that dark days are no match for what God is going to birth through your life. You may feel surrounded by a world of chaos and confusion. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look around at the world I'm living in, I think we need a revival of sanity. Some even take inventory of the days we're living in and see a sense of hopelessness and despair. But I want to declare to you today that what God is doing in your life is so powerful and potent that even hell is getting nervous about it. What God is going to do in your life is not just, it's not even really for you. You're gonna get blessed by it, but I'm telling you, God's gonna get glory from it. What God is doing in you is bigger than you. It's beyond you. It's not even about your name or my name or our greatness, it's about the greatness of our God. I think sometimes we get this thing all wrong and we think what is God gonna do for me? I don't know what he's gonna do for me but I know what he's gonna do through me. I believe God's doing something through through you, his sons and his daughters that is going to make hell very nervous because God is gonna use your spirit as a womb that he is going to send his word into and when the word gets in your spiritual womb and touches this thing called faith, it's going to produce supernatural things in our generation that will confound the wise, that will shake the wise out of their place and remind them there is no God like Jehovah. So the days of Herod are dark days. But the contrast is created very clearly by the writer Luke that in the dark days of Herod there was a certain priest named Zechariah. And uh, his wife was Elizabeth. Now this is interesting. Zechariah's name means Yah has remembered. You can write it down, I'm gonna preach on it in a minute. Yah has remembered. And the Bible said that these, these uh, two people, this man and this woman, this priest and his wife, were righteous before God. They walked in the commandments and ordinances of God. And the word, the word that God uses to describe them is the word blameless. Verse six, you can see it there. The Bible said that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were blameless. This is powerful. It does not mean they were perfect. It means that everything that the enemy could use to charge them with had been removed from the argument. I wanna declare to some people who are washed in the blood this morning that you may not be perfect but because of the blood of Jesus, you are blameless. Which means that when the enemy shows up to put a charge against you, if your stuff and your mess is under the blood, then the enemy can't go find what you did and bring it up as an argument to indict you with guilt. If it's under the blood, I think we ought to take a break right here and thank God that the blood removed the blame. I said, I think we ought to praise God that the blood of Jesus removes the blame. The enemy could not, the enemy could not find anything to blame them with. It Wasn't that they were perfect, it's that their desire in life was to please God. Can I preach right here for a moment? That we need to stop giving Christians a license to sin. I lost some of y'all right there. We need to quit standing in pulpits and telling everybody, you know, grace covers, do what you want to do, live how you want to live, shack up with what you want to shack up with, snort what you want to snort, drink what you want. You need to come out from among the world and you need to love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you don't need to see how much you can get away with. What you need to do is see how much more I can love him today than I did yesterday. And I don't just want to serve you. I don't just want to serve you and get forgiveness. I want to serve you and walk in power. And I want you to break the back of slavery and sin off my life. The Bible said he was blameless. She was blameless. Verse seven says, but Elizabeth was barren. This messed with me. Had she been guilty and sinful and messed up and got all kind of nastiness going on in her life, I can understand why she's barren. But she's blameless and barren. What do you do when you're blameless and barren? Can we talk for a minute? It'd be one thing if there was a reason why she was barren, but she's blameless and barren. And it bothers me sometimes that righteous people go through serious problems. Y'all don't want me to be real today. It bothers me sometimes that people who love Jesus with all their heart go through situations they can't quite understand. It bothers me sometimes that we've had to bury people prematurely who loved the Lord their God with all their heart and they stood on faith and they stood on the word and they loved Jesus and they worked for the church. Oh Lord, y'all don't want me to go here. As a pastor over these 21 years, there have been times where people who were a nuisance and people who were pests and people who come against us from the outside, God let them live and people who helped do the work of the church died in their 30s y'all don't like this kind of talk and i used to sit down and i used to say i don't understand this they're blameless these people love you they serve you with all their heart they had a good testimony and somehow they, they went through a situation that that we can't quite make sense of theologically blameless and barren While sometimes people who were hellacious and full of the devil and didn't love us and didn't love God and treated us bad, they lived to be 100. What is that? I tell you this right now, God doesn't have to give me an answer for me to trust him. I wish I could find some answers to some questions I have, but I made up my mind a long time ago that even when stuff happens that I don't understand, I refuse to change my opinion of who he is because the Bible said God is good all the time. In every generation, he's been a strong tower. And I don't know why sometimes the blameless are barren, but I made up my mind that even when I'm barren, I'll still give him praise. I'll still give him worship because my worship to him is not dedicated on what he does for me my worship to him is not even about what he puts in my bank account my praise to him is about who he is and what he's done and what the word says about him and some of you need to quit having an argument and you need to tell your mind to shut up and command your soul to give God praise hallelujah She was barren and blameless. She wasn't living in sin, but she still couldn't have children. She wasn't living in sin, but she still didn't get what she wanted from God. The Bible says that they were blameless and yet barren. What do you do when you're blameless and barren? You ready? I'm going to tell you what you do. You do what Zechariah did in the text. He went back to the temple and he burnt incense before God. I feel like preaching here. He was blameless and barren, but he kept on burning. Some of you got to learn how to burn when you don't get what you want. You got to learn how to set something on fire inside when you don't get what you've been expecting. God, I feel like preaching. It's one thing to praise him when he gives you the answer. It's another thing when he did, sometimes he will act like he didn't even hear you and you still have to decide. I made my petition known. I did not get what I asked for, but like Job, naked I came in and naked I go out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Though he, I'm gonna preach till I get rid of that entitlement spirit that is running around in the church. People who praise him when he does what they want but forget about him when they don't get their genie and the bottle to come through. The devil is a liar. I am not somebody who's serving a heavenly divine sugar daddy. He is my savior and my Lord. Discipleship is not following him when he does what I agree with. Discipleship is though you slay me, yet will I trust in that? <laughs> that I may know him, not just in the power of his resurrection, but in the fellowship of his suffering. I'm telling you, there's nothing like the bliss of breakthrough. There's nothing like the pinnacle of victory. There's nothing like the glory of an answered prayer. But the greatest moments of my life were not when I was standing on a mountain with an answered prayer in one hand and a mighty testimony in the other. The moments I look back and cherish are the nights when I could not sleep. I'm coming down here. I'm getting ready to preach. The nights when tears were coming down my face. when hell was howling and hissing in my ear and the devil told me I didn't have a future and instead of quitting, instead of stopping, I threw up my trembling hands and I felt the strength of a faithful God who did not make all my pain pass but he held me in the midst of my barrenness because he's good all the time. Faithful. The Bible said, the Bible said that he was blameless and barren, but he went to the temple and he burnt incense. This is interesting because if you study this, there were three jobs he could have received the appointment for. There were three different priests, in fact. Uh The first one went into the, the holy place where this altar of incense was, and he, the first priest, would be responsible for cleaning off the old coals from yesterday. And then there was another priest who went in after that priest and he brought in hot coals for today and then he would back out of the inner court and then would come the final priest who would bring the incense now the coals are hot now the coals are on fire now the coals are ready and this third priest would release the incense and throw them on the hot coals and when the incense hit the hot coal it began to burn the incense and the incense burning on the altar released a fragrance into the atmosphere and it began to get down into uh, the fiber of the cloak that the priest was wearing. And when the priest would leave that place, they could smell the incense on his garment and knew that he had been with God. And when they smelled that incense, what they knew is that the prayer had been answered and that God had accepted the incense, which represented the prayer of the people. Zechariah was not the one who swept off the old coals. He was not the one that brought in the new coals. He was the one that had been given the lot of bringing in the incense. And he drops the incense on the hot coals. And the Bible said while the incense was burning on the inside, prayers were being prayed by the people on the outside. And what they were waiting for was the priest to come out smelling like the incense so that they knew God had heard their prayer. Only one problem. Where's the priest? We sent him in there with the incense, but he ain't come out. Mr. Zechariah, where you at? It's 1203. The chicken is calling my name. Where are you at? And he stayed because sometimes God will make you wait. And I got news for you. If you've ever waited on God and he came through, you know that as uncomfortable as the wait is, it's worth the wait. I'm going to come over here and preach real quick. I said, I said, there are sometimes God will bless you with a microwave blessing and you know what microwave corn is? Oh, it's nasty as all get out. Pull it out the freezer, put it in a blue bag, throw it in the microwave, cut a slit in the top of it, cook it for two minutes and put it in a bowl with butter and salt. Nobody knows the difference, but if you really know what good corn on the cob tastes like, you will never have a breakthrough eating some microwave mess. It, it takes good, it takes good, takes time to get some good stuff. Oh, there's something about those steaks that marinate and dry age for 45 days and you want something quick and you want something miraculous and you can't wait on God. God told me to tell somebody that the delay is not a denial and you're about to be glad that it wasn't fast. It's going to happen quick but it ain't going to be fast. Suddenly, God is about to visit your life. Suddenly What you've been waiting on is about to dis. I gotta go. He's in there praying. He's in there burning incense. Bearing and burning. I wish I had time to preach that like I feel it. But sometimes you gotta burn when you're barren. Uh, You gotta gotta stay faithful to God when you're not getting it the way you want it. You gotta keep serving God and you gotta keep faithful to God. And somebody in this room needs to hear me right now. Keep doing the right thing even when the right thing don't seem like it's happening in your life. Well, if the Lord don't move by three o'clock tomorrow, I ain't serving him no more. Oh, you are crazy. God, I'm going to give you a week to get, it took you nine years to screw your life up like this, and you're such in a hurry that you're giving God ultimatums. Who do you think you are? And he's in there burning, and he's getting soaked in, and while he's taking it all in, an angel shows up. Because I'm telling you right now, you'll get a visit if you'll burn while you're barren. I said, if you'll keep on burning when you're barren, God will visit you. And the, I got to go here. But the Bible said that an angel showed up while he was burning incense. His wife was barren, but he stayed faithful. And the Bible said that an angel showed up and visited him in that place and stood there. And Zechariah freaked out when he saw him well you know preachers have seen it all no preacher you ain't seen it all yet if you keep on burning you're going to have a visitation from a God that you thought you knew but he's about to blow your mind God's about to do something you've never seen him do before because we're living in a moment where we need unprecedented unpredictable outpourings and miracles from God that shake a wayward society and recalibrate us to see the supernatural power of God the Bible said that an angel came and stood on the right side of this altar, and he said to him, this is powerful. Take your Bible, I want you to see, see this, and I'm gonna show you this and I'm gonna be done. The Bible said, he tells Zechariah in Luke 1, Luke 1 verse uh, mm-hmm, 13, the first thing he said is do not be afraid. And that's what he has to say in every time humanity sees angelic. Because we have painted angels as chubby little cherubim with two wings and a bow and arrow. And that ain't the way angels are. Uh-huh. Angels ain't chubby and they're not little, you know, cute little things that we send to our lo- lover on uh, Valentine. I get that, but that ain't what this is. This ain't that kind of angel. <laughs> this is a 10-foot angelic being divine and powerful and imposing and you're standing in the dark and something is on fire, smoke is getting in your clothes and suddenly you see a 10-foot being? How many ever walked through your house and felt like somebody was in there? And there wasn't nobody in there, it was your cat, your dog, your baby, something, you know, now we got two kids and so now they make noises and they freak me out sometimes. But this was not some little uh, apparition. This was a 10-foot angelic being. It would freak you out if you got up to go to the restroom in the middle of the night and a 10-foot angel was standing in your bathroom. You would have to be told first before you had a heart attack, fear not. Calm down. I'm, I'm not a bad guy. I'm a good guy. Watch. So the Bible says that he says, fear not. Look at verse 13. I have to teach this to you. This is the entire crux of this whole thing about hope. He said, fear not, your prayer has been heard. Next sentence. For your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call his name John. Wait a minute. The angel says, fear not, your prayer has been heard you're going to have a son. Does that not freak anybody but me out? Count on Harry all the time. Elder out there. He, he Let me rewind it. Think about what I'm saying to you. Fear not. Your prayer has been heard. You will have a son. The problem is that he was not just then praying for a son. How do we know that? Because the old man didn't want a son in his old age. I hope you're catching what I'm throwing out. Nobody in their old age goes into a prayer prayer closet and be like, Lord, I'm 92, but I'm looking for a son. In fact, as the priest, his assignment was not to go in and pray on behalf of his own desire. His desire as a national priest would have been to go into the prayer place and offer up prayers on behalf of the nation. So he's in the holy place, burning incense, praying prayers as a priest would pray for a nation And Gabriel shows up and said, I heard you pray. Your prayer has been heard. You're going to have a son. What does all this mean? It means that at some point, I feel the Lord here. At some point in his past, he had been praying for a child and had come so far in his life that he gave up. I feel like preaching here. He gave up on what he felt like he was expecting from God, and he quit praying those prayers about having a son and he stopped praying those prayers that created that little circle of joy on the inside. I can imagine Zechariah praying uh, and he got a smile on his face as a 30 year old man married to, Zach, uh, married to Elizabeth. I can imagine him praying, Lord, uh, would you give Elizabeth and I a child? Uh, maybe in his 20s he prayed and he was, oh Lord, we want a baby, Lord. We, we want a baby. Our uh, 30s come along. Oh God, would you give us a child We know that you're able. You did it for Sarah and you did it for, uh, God, you did it in the Old Testament. Would you give us a child? And then in his 40s, Lord, maybe if you do it when I'm 41, give me a child. And then he come over into his 50s. He stopped praying that prayer because the older he got the more unqualified he felt for the thing he was fixing to preach up in this house today some of you have begun to feel unqualified to receive the petition you've been asking God for and the devil wants you to think that you have outlasted your prime and you have stepped out of that golden moment and opportunity I'm talking to somebody today who stopped praying for something because the enemy convinced you to believe you weren't qualified enough for it you you weren't good enough for it you didn't know how to steward it you won't be able to make it work and you stopped praying for it and God sent me to tell you today just like Gabriel stood on the right side of the altar and told the priest I heard you I felt like I'm on a divine assailable Oshaya a divine assignment this morning to tell about 13 of y'all he had heard your prayer i'm not just talking about the one you're praying generally i'm talking about the one you quit praying because you didn't see how it could come to pass god told me to tell you it's not that it was a no it was a not yet and divine timing is everything to god You tried to rush it, and when it didn't happen quickly, you tried to forget it, but God wants me to tell somebody, he heard you the very first time you prayed. He heard you. He's over here praying for the nation. I'm fixing to say something right here. He's over here praying for the nation, and God says, I'm going to help the nation by answering the prayer you prayed about a child. Lord, have mercy. He said, keep on praying for that nation. Keep on taking Israel to me in prayer. The answer for Israel is what I'm getting ready to put in the belly of your wife. God told me to tell somebody the breakthrough you've been praying for is in what you're getting ready to give birth to. God is going to use somebody to give birth. God's going to use what you are going to give birth to. I'm preaching to people right now and they can't even receive what I'm saying because oh, it's out about Jesus. Listen to me. Jesus cannot show up until a voice shows up first. Read your Bible. There must be a voice that cries in the wilderness to prepare the way. Why? Because the king is too glorious to come and have to move mountains and elevate valleys and make crooked places straight. So before the king can come and all the glory of the Lord be revealed, first a voice has to come and make the crooked places straight and elevate the valleys and move the mountains. And God told me to tell somebody that what he's trying to do in Your spirit is make way for the glory of the king. The king is gonna get the glory, but he's going to get it after what God burst through you begins to declare, you gotta be the voice God called you to be. And we got people praying for the nation. Lord, heal the nation. Lord, deliver the nation. Lord, get rid of the hate in the nation. And God said, I'm trying. But I can't do it until you give birth to what I put in you. You know, I like this passage over in Matthew. I'm closing here in a minute. This passage over in Matthew. It said they came from Jerusalem to check John the Baptist out. And when they got out to him, they said, we'd like to know what you are. We'd like to see your credential badge. Are you a prophet? Are you a priest? Are you a preacher? John said, I ain't none of it. You know what he told him he was? He said, I'm a voice. I'm a voice. Well, I want to be a bishop, not me. I want to be a voice. Well, I want to be a prophet, not me. I want to be a voice. Some of us are too infatuated with titles that we are missing the assignment. The assignment is not on us putting a title on you, the assignment is for you to open. Put your mouth, open your mouth, and let God fill it with the word of the Lord. we got bishops who would no more know the word of the Lord prophets who have not prophesied according to the word apostles who walk around with more security than they got in members of their church And ain't nobody carrying the word of the Lord. When you carry the word of the Lord, you do not take orders from people. You do not take bribes from people. Real prophets are not bolt. Real apostles are not up for sale. Real bishops don't sell out the sheep. Well, what what, what do you want to call me? What do you want us to call? I was in Israel this week. And they all walked around. What do you want us to call you? Bishop, apostle, call me Kevin. Call me Kevin. Well, that doesn't feel... Listen, listen, I don't want nobody to know what I am because when it's all said and done, I want them to be shocked when God gets through speaking through my life. I'd rather people hear him rather than see a title. There are so many people infatuated with titles. If you got a spirit of honor on you, you don't have to have nobody make you call them anything. If you got a spirit of honor, you will call them what God called them. But at the end of the day, God give us a voice. To to prepare the way. Here's what I want to tell you. And I'm through right here. Elizabeth was barren. And God was about to fill her spiritual womb and her physical womb with an answer that was going to shake that generation. Somebody in this room needs to hear me. You have felt barren relationally. You have felt barren emotionally. You have felt barren spiritually. You have felt empty on the inside. And God sent me to tell somebody, barrenness is only barrenness until God fills the womb. And when God fills the womb, he removes, watch what the Bible says, he removes the shame and the reproach. People will forget how long you were barren when John comes out screaming. I don't know how old Elizabeth and Zacharias were, but they were old. Matter of fact, people looked at him and said, yeah, he washed up, his best days are behind him. And God said, I'm just getting started. I heard you, Zechariah. You prayed it years ago, and you thought I didn't hear you, but I heard you. Somebody needs to hear me tell you. He's not just hearing the prayers you pray today. Many of the answers of the prayers you are praying for today are answers that are going to be given in result to prayers you prayed many years ago. Because when you pray to God, your prayers don't evaporate, they gather. How do you know that? Because the Bible said that the bowl of incense of the prayers of the saints was at a tipping point on putting prayers in there, kept on putting intercession in, didn't look like anything was happening, and they kept on praying, and sooner or later that bowl full of prayers got so full that heaven could not ignore the prayer any longer, and it spilt over into the earth, and answers started being released, and blessings started. Somebody in this room, stand with me, I'm through preaching, somebody in this room feels like the prayers you prayed 20 years ago, 15 years ago, God didn't answer them then, and and it's because he was saying no, and God was not saying no. He was just saying not yet. Barrenness is canceled. Touch somebody near you right now, tell them barrenness is canceled. Not everybody needed that, but there's somebody in here that needs to know they're not dead, like the enemy been trying to tell them they're dead. They're not hopeless like the enemy's been trying to tell them they're hopeless. They're not forgotten like the enemy's been trying to tell them they're forgotten. It's just that it wasn't not yet. And God sent me to tell somebody we're entering into a season of hope. Where dead things you thought were dead and would stay dead forever. God is about to infuse them with promised power and life. And they're going to... Those who come through the barren womb will be greater than those who came through the fruitful womb. In other words, the barren people, you better enlarge the place of your tent. You better get ready for increase. Well, I prayed and it didn't happen like I thought it was going to and I said, I'm okay with it. God, God, God didn't want me to do that. Oh no, it ain't that God didn't want you to do that. Is that you prayed it so far in advance that you weren't quite ready for it yet? But some journey and some junk, some problems, some setbacks have happened. And you've gone through some dry seasons, walked through some wildernesses, been delayed, put on pause, felt forgotten. And the enemy said, it ain't gonna happen. And Gabriel said, heaven heard you the first time you pray, I heard you, Zechariah. You're gonna have a son. And Zechariah said, hold up, hold on, hold on a minute. I am old now. <laughs> and have you checked out Elizabeth? I mean, she's still fine. She's still <laughs> the apple of my eye, the jam in my jelly roll, but the chick is old too. She's well advanced in years. How is this something I can believe in? That's what I'll talk next week about what Mary said in response to the angel. But what Zechariah said is, how am I supposed to believe this? Mary said, how are you going to do this? I believe it, but how are you going to do it? Zechariah said, I don't even know if I believe this. I'm not sure I can believe this. It sounds too great. And, and the angel said, okay, I see how this is going to be. One of them kind of preachers. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a spirit of don't talk on you. Can you imagine a preacher who can't preach? He can't say nothing for months. God said, I'm not going to let you speak because your word, listen, He missed this. His word was so powerful that when he prayed it, God heard him and answered him years later. But he failed to understand that his words were not only potent enough to produce a child. His words were potent enough to destroy the blessing that God had intended for him to have. You got to be so careful because your words have so much power. They will snatch a baby out of the spirit, put it in the womb of a woman, and she will give birth. But your words are also so powerful you can curse the blessing. He said, I love you too much, to let you curse what you prayed for. So don't say nothing at all. And he doesn't say anything till the baby's born. And I read Psalm 42 verse five because that feels like me sometimes. He sounds deranged and demented, does the psalmist. The psalmist is actually preaching a message to himself and he's saying crazy stuff like this. So why are you cast down? If people would have heard that psalmist saying that, they would have took him to a clinic. He's talking to himself. He's a little bit crazy. He's out there. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. Woman with the issue of blood, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. Sometimes my soul feels cast down and my spirit has to talk to my soul and say, why are you cast down, my soul? Hope in God. Some of you have lost hope. Prayers you prayed have not been answered, but God's about to answer your prayers. If I'm talking to you, throw your hands up right now. If I'm talking to you, throw your hands up right now. Some unanswered stuff you gave up on, throw your hands up right now. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Throw your hands up high. I need you praying all over this room right now. Praying all over this room right now praying all over this room right now. He heard you praying all over this room right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in this place. I'm asking you right now, lay hands on your belly. I'm asking you right now, God, not not just physical. Thank you, Lord. Give me my phone, Chris. Give me my phone. I got to read this. This is where this sermon came from. I'm going to read this. This is where this sermon came from. I get a message while I'm in Israel. There's a young man, he's a son in the faith, and he's a part of the Ruach Global Network, and he was here at Ruach. And he texts me on Thursday night. He said, Bishop, I just want to give you a testimony. In October, we came to Ruach. My wife was in a service just before that, and a person came to her and said, God said, whatever you are dealing with physically, you're going to be healed from. The woman didn't know in 2016 that my wife, Brittany, was told she had a non-cancerous tumor in her pituitary and would almost... almost without, without question never have a child. Although there was a very slight possibility, it scared her, Brittany, because she loved children and had always wanted children. This news devastated her. Fast forward to Ruach when we had breakout sessions that morning, Pastor Greg DeVries prophesied to her, prophesied to me that I would be a father, a good father, a great father, and a spiritual father went into service Friday night of Ruach when the Lord swept through the house. How many remember that service? And everyone was on their face worshiping the Lord. Brittany was wrecked in the presence of God. She came up to me and said, God just spoke to me and said, next year we would would be bringing a baby to Ruach with us. I thought, yeah, okay, whatever. Except that a few moments later, Pastor Devin got up and prophesied next year there would be Ruach babies brought back to Ruach 2023. (laughs) Brittany grabbed my hand. She yanked me up there, we went and received prayer and we kept on living normally. I have no clue what that means. (laughs) Today, Thursday, we found out we are eight weeks pregnant. A due date expected on July 13th. God is so good, barrenness is canceled. You gotta go, y'all. But turn around and tell two or three people. Barrenness is canceled. God heard you when you pray, And although it ain't happening yet, it's getting ready to happen. God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. The Bible still says that the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man or woman are availing much If you believe God hears you when you pray, I want you to give him praise for answered prayer. I said praise him for an answered prayer. The answer's on the way. The answer's on the way, this I know. Here's what I want to tell you before I let you go. We are entering a season, right now today, I declare this prophetically over your life. We are entering a season of supernatural conception. And I'm not just talking about physical, although if you're a sister in here and you've been barren and you've been holding on, I'm telling you, God's gonna fill your womb. But I'm talking about a spiritual conception as well. Somebody who's felt dead on the inside is about to feel that baby jump again. In fact, Elizabeth hid herself for five months, but the reason she couldn't hide herself for six months is because at five months, the baby starts showing. Oh, Lord have mercy. And I come to tell some of y'all, it's beginning to show in you. You're getting ready to break out. You're getting ready to stretch out. You're getting ready to increase. I see it on your face. I'm not talking to everybody, but I'm talking to somebody who feels something growing on the inside. Lord, I pray right now for the people of God. That barrenness, throw your hands up, close your eyes and receive it right now. Father, I thank you that barrenness is canceled now. Spiritual emptiness is canceled now. Spiritual defeatism is canceled right now. Hopelessness, as Devin said it earlier, I say it right now, hopelessness, we cast you out in the name of Jesus. I pray in this month of miracles and supernatural miraculous things that the power of the Holy Ghost come upon the people of God and that spiritual wounds begin to be filled with dreams, visions, prophecies, promises, things that we've been waiting on 10, 20, 30 years. Bring it to pass. Bring it to pass. It's not over. It's not finished. God is in this thing. Reach over, lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder right now. Father, we cancel barrenness. Say it out of your mouth. I know it feels funny, but say it out. I cancel barrenness over my brother my sister right now. Come on, pray. I cancel barrenness. I cancel spiritual barrenness. I cancel the voice that told you it's too late. It's too far over. I cancel the voice that tells you you're too old or you're too young or you're too rich or you're too poor or you don't have enough friends and you're not connected enough. I cancel that voice. I declare right now that thing God's going to do in you is going to blow people connected. They're connected to you and their minds are getting ready to get blown. Your neighbors, your friends, your family are going to rejoice with you. God's not finished. So seal this word today, Lord. Keep your people right in the center of your will. I bless their womb right now. Lay a hand on your belly where your spirit is. Come on. The Bible said out of your belly flows rivers of living water. I cancel hopelessness in the womb of the child of God. I pray right now you begin to fill it with faith again. Fill it with promises again. Touch your people, Lord, right now. Touch your people, God, right now. Fill their heart in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, come on, let's give him some praise all over this room right now, come on. Oh, come on, give him some good praise. Hallelujah! In fact, I dare you to shout like you didn't build that nursery in vain. Oh, you better get a name ready, you better get a name ready, you better get a name ready for that baby. Hallelujah! in fact I will go back down here I'm not through yet I thought I was through but I'm not through yet you better get a name for what God is about to do in your life you better put a name on that business you better put a name on that relationship you better put a name on that answer it's getting ready to happen the devil told you it was too late you better get ready to name that thing God is gonna give you what he promised touch three people tell him it shall be done it shall be done Gotta go, but I feel like something is happening in this room. Hallelujah! 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 It's not dead, it's about to live. Barrenness is transcendent. If you gotta go to lunch, I bless you. I'll see you all Wednesday. But I declare barrenness is cancer. I rebuke the spirit of death. Turn my microphone up. I rebuke the spirit of hopelessness. I declare that the devil is a liar. You're getting ready to come into a season of fruitfulness. Somebody shout for Cleveland! Somebody shout for Athens! Somebody shout for Chattanooga! Ah! The Bible said, "Put." praise instead of a spirit of happiness and one way to notify your enemy that you're not going to live in hopelessness one more day is to take off that garment of heaviness and put on a garment of praise somebody give God praise somebody open up your I declare over you right now it's not too late it's not over God is about to just get started and things you've been praying for to happen in your life in your family and even for this nation the answer is in God birthing something through you that will make an announcement to this world that the King is coming The King is coming. How many can praise Him that what He's getting ready to do is not just about you, it's through you, but it's for His glory. Touch three people, tell them, neighbor, barrenness is canceled. Tell them, hopelessness hopelessness is canceled. Haters are being canceled. Naysayers are being canceled. Lies of the devil are being canceled. Reports of the enemy are being canceled. The bank said you could. but if God before you, who can be against you? The lawyer said you don't have a case, but God's about to give you a victory in it. Somebody shout yes. You're coming into supernatural birthing in this season. Barrenness is canceled. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your voice to God. Pray in the spirit and with understanding. Oh, magnify. All them old saints know that song. (laughs) We leave today praising God that he heard us and that prayers are going to be answered. Take your neighbor's hand, we gotta go. I know it's 1240, I kept you long, but somebody is coming into a season of divine fruitfulness. Father, we pray for our brother and sister right now. Wombs are coming open. Faith is coming back. Promises are being restored. Hope is rising. Oppression and darkness are leaving. I declare that somebody in this room who's barren is still burning and they're gonna keep burning because their faithfulness to you is non-negotiable they've made up their mind that they've come too far to turn back now so bless the people of god today in jesus name and the church said amen god bless you hug each other shake each other's hand see you wednesday night go in the blessing of the lord Friend, I believe God is a miracle working God and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. And I believe today somebody's watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God. I want to serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus, believing that you're the son of God and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to KevinWallace.TV and I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team wanna pray for you. We wanna make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ best days of your life are still ahead of you, and we're praying for you today. God bless. I look forward to seeing you next week right here.